Hello. Hello. How is you? Well, I am excited to be able to talk about what's coming up Sunday and the provision that God makes for us in Christ as our redemption. And so as we uh, move into this Advent season and we see uh, more and more, I just keep going back and forth in the pages of my Bible because as, as I'm talking, as I though forget, you're doing something, I forget what I'm looking for actually. So I go past it and I have to come back. Talking but, and reading at the same time. <laughs> but as we're as we're looking at at the entire Advent season and the, and the concept of the coming of Christ, understanding the gospel, you know, I was going to say as part of that, but it's not part of it. It's everything. It's the center of it. The reason for the Advent is the gospel. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about the gospel and the Advent, it's just a reminder to ourselves of what Christmas is really all about, Charlie Brown. So as we're going through this, I don't think I can say that phrase without I was just saying Charlie s- Brown. I know. I can't either. <laughs> um, there are, we have a lot of these little pop cultural references. Good that job, come Charles up. Schultz. <laughs> but there's, there, it's kind of like when I say, I, you know, uh, <laughs> I'm not a smart man. But I know, I know right? What love is. Uh, there are some things that just. Or <laughs> so many other things, songs that jump Right, up. right. Anyway, as we're looking at this, the concept here that we're, that we're looking at in week three of our Advent series is this is the culmination of love having come. The, mm-hmm. As we're talking about love has come in the gospel and the Advent. The, Here it is. The, this is it. You know, so the, the first week, love hasn't come yet. Right? <laughs> right. We, we blew it. God created us in this perfect Shoot. environment, right. and we threw it away. Right. So the problem then is everything good has now been stained, has been tainted, corrupted by sin. From totally, that point on. Com- right. Completely completely disoriented. And so, you know, when when we have, you know, a, a, I'm, I'm drinking a nice little bottle of uh, nice spring water and it's clean and clear. I trust that it is. That's a good thing. Tasty and delicious, right? So if if that gets tainted... If water is tasty and oh, delicious. Oh, it's tasty and delicious. Uh, unless you put flavor in it, then it's horrible. Mm-hmm. So if I put poison in this water... It doesn't just stay in a spot, a little drip in there. Right. It permeates the water. It's in everything. Somebody's poisoned the water. <laughs> <laughs> nice. We're, we're just rolling here. Uh, <laughs> and that's how sin has been in us. It, it, it permeates everything. So when we talk about the doctrine of total depravity, what we're, not, what we're talking about is that everything has poison in it. Everything has been stained. The cancer has affected the entire system. Not that everything is as bad as it could be. It's not that we've reached the the pinnacle of the symptoms of the cancer in every person at every moment. Uh, it's not like in Noah's day where every man's every inclination was only evil all the time. Right. Although it feels like that sometimes, doesn't it? Does. it? We recognize that on a human scale there are good people. Sometimes there are bad people. But on a spiritual scale, none of us are good, and that's right. what what. Um, and sometimes that's very convicting. Like when you even look at yourself. Oh like, yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. If we're if we're honest with ourselves, right. I, It's really we don't need a lot of fire and brimstone preaching right. if we're honest with right, ourselves. Right, right. The reason we need those things is we're so seldom honest with ourselves. We don't really look at how wretched we are. We think our motives are good and everybody else's are bad. We're we're very think, light on our sin right. and hard on other people's. And I think sin. that's why we fill our lives with distractions. 
that's so we don't have point. to think about yeah. our own junk. Anyway, yeah. that's probably beside the point. No, I, I think that's a really, really good, valid point. And I, honestly, even with Christmas, I mean, think about how much yeah. stuff we pack into Christmas. And even the good things. And I love these things. I mean, Same. you know, I'm a Christmas person. And right. so, you know, um, we talk a lot about Hallmark movies. And, you know, we watch a lot of Hallmark movies at, at our house. I actually haven't watched one this year, but um, my, my wife and daughter do. And, you know, it's a wonderful life, and right. you know all the Bing Crosby musicals, and and, and cookies, and music, and, and, and decorations, and, and, and whatever. Gift giving, yeah, right. And, it's all and, and all of the logistics and practical things that right. we have to work into this stuff. And it's not that they're bad in themselves, but just like you said, we fill up all of our time, all of our, our mental energy with these things. And even though we say, all of us Christians like to say and post on Facebook and Instagram that Jesus is the reason for the season, that's great, as long as we get all the rest of the stuff with it. Right. If we stripped all of this stuff away, I just actually heard this on the Adventures in Odyssey pod, uh, broadcast last night on the radio, uh, where one of the families, interestingly named the, the, the husband and wife were George and Mary, like <laughs> It's a Wonderful Life, <clears throat> and uh, and the kids' names were Jim, as in Jimmy Stewart, and Donna, as in Donna Reed. So I thought nice, it was fantastically nice. brilliant, fantastically Not wonderfully magical. Not that any kids are going to get that right. No, but if they did, they'd be better people. That's true. Anyhow, as they're doing this, the dad had been saying, "Yeah, Jesus is the reason for the season," but still, all of these gifts. And then they get robbed, and they got nothing. So then it, the rubber meets the road. Is Jesus really what matters here? Do, is that really what we care about? Or are we just shattered because our Christmas is ruined? Right. And with all of the busyness and all of the stuff and all of the gift giving and, and you know, we <laughs> even commercials, Christmas is about giving. It's not, it's not about you. It's about giving. But even the giving is about us. It's all doing something, all this activity. Make me feel good so I give you right. a Right. And, and, and boost the retails. Right. You know, oh, so yeah, we're, yeah. we're going to keep on and pushing this through. As we, as we see this stuff happen... It's easy to lose sight of the fact that our problem is still sin, mm -hmm. separation from God, death, eternal damnation. We don't like to say eternal damnation ever, but especially at especially Christmas. Especially at Christmas. You know, Merry Christmas, you're going to hell. Right. That's not great because there is no Merry Christmas in hell. That's next year's Christmas card. But, but the reality of it is Jesus was the promise. He's the hope that we have that God is overcoming and has indeed overcome our sin problem. Mm -hmm. So we can receive that problem in this this idea that he has already made provision for us. Christ is our redemption. So when he comes... Uh, Joseph and Mary are told to name him Jesus, meaning God saves, the Lord saves, because he will save his people from their sins. And, and the angel is very specific about that, that he will save his people from their sins. And then we see you know, that Jesus is foretold in Luke 1 uh, as the angel comes to Mary. And then we see the famous passage that we all recognize in Luke chapter 2, um, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree, and you know everybody likes to talk about. Well, how do you say Quirinius? You know, and we, you know, we see that that they go to um, um, they, they go to Bethlehem. So he's in Nazareth. That's where he's from. Uh, he's a Galilean. He goes uh, he goes to Bethlehem. All of the things that we recognize, and, and they make a, a crash, a manger scene. No, they don't really do that. They just they live their lives, and then we add these things later on. And while they're there, 
Bethlehem's this tiny little place. It's, it's where the temple sheep are, are raised. So there's basically just a smattering of people. Uh, there are some, you know, but it's a small community. Makes our little town of Three Oaks, Michigan look like a bustling metropolis. But there's a lot of sheep. So they're out there uh, raising sheep. And, and uh, while Joseph and Mary are doing their thing, you got the shepherds out in their fields keeping watch over their flocks at night, as, as the scripture says and as the song says. Uh, verse 8 of Luke 2, There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news. That's the... the the evangel, the, mm-hmm. the, the gospel, that will cause great joy for all the people. It's open to everybody, right? So it's good, it's good news that is offered to everybody. A reflection, actually, of the promise that God makes to Abram that he right. will bless all people, bless all nations through him. Um, today, in the town of David, Bethlehem, keeping the Davidic promise that he, that he made to David that, that his offspring would be the Messiah... A Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. So we see God keeping His promise, right? Our sin problem is here. Messiah comes to fix that problem. He is our hope. And now we see that that this baby, in verse 12, this will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths lying in a cow feeder, in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appear with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to those on whom His favor rests. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. That's a pretty good rendering that they have here in the, in the newer NIV. That this peace isn't just a general blanket of peace. Mm-hmm. It's for those who receive this. For those on whom God's favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds saw, said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurry off. They find the baby. They praise, uh, they praise God. They're amazed by what's going on. Verse 19 says, but Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her, in her heart. All right? So then when you fast forward eight days, they take the child to, the, to, um, to have him circus, circumcised. Excuse me. Um, the, the time comes for the purification rites they, that are required by the law of Moses. This is in verses 22 and following. Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem. Bethlehem's outside of Jerusalem. Took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord at the temple. Um, <clears throat> verse 24, they offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Uh, this is significant to the point of, of all of this. This they offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord. Okay, So the law, pointing forward to Messiah, foreshadows the sacrifice. The, the pair of doves or two young pigeons that's required for them is because they're poor. This is the sacrifice for the right. destitute. So these, these poor destitute people are bringing this child, this Messiah, into the world. But even the sacrifice itself, which is what we see throughout the book of Leviticus, is a type of foreshadowing of the sacrifice of Christ right. as our provision. He will become sin for us. Uh, that's, we see that really drawn out in the book of Romans. Paul starts in chapter 1 with the problem that the wrath of God is being poured out on, on mankind because we suppress the truth by our wickedness. And he lays out the symptoms of that. And he goes into to two and talks about the justification that, that, uh, that comes with this, that uh, the, this 
we, you know, we should be passing judgment on others because we're guilty of the same points. It goes into chapter 3 that, that all of us have sinned. There's nobody that's clean, nobody that gets off. Everybody has sinned, but God makes Christ an atoning sacrifice for us. He is the redemption. And, and in, in um, Romans 3.23, we see that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But also the, the very next verses, 24, 25, 26, we see that, that Christ is our provision. Romans 6.23 points out that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So when we see in Romans 5.8 that, that, that He has died for us while we were still sinners, the, the picture becomes this total concept of Christ not coming to be an example for us, but to actually take our sin and to die on the cross as our redemption. He is the provision for our sin. It's not religious activity, it's Christ. And ultimately, when we're celebrating Christmas, we're not celebrating a baby in a manger. We are, we are seeing that as the gateway to the cross. Mm -hmm. The cross is the provision. That's, that's where the redemption takes place. And then the resurrection affirms that the sacrifice was accepted and that Jesus was who he said. And that song I sent, I sent you a J.J. Heller song yesterday. Yeah. The, and I think one of the lines in the song is something like... Born in me. Yeah. yeah. Uh, how can it be that a baby's first breath could be the beginning of conquering death? Yeah. And that timeline, you think about that, because it's nice to think of this little you know baby in a manger or whatever, right. but you think about the bigger picture there what that really is, what this child really is. And that's, that's what Christmas is all about, <laughs> Charlie Brown. That, that's right. It really is. And it is, it, that first breath, this, this birthing, is, it's the beginning of this. It's the, the gateway to it. And, and we know ultimately the beginning was right. before time. Right. He's the, the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Right. But there is, there is a very powerful reality that we often just gloss over at Christmas time because we stop at the manger. Mm -hmm. There's so much more. There's a reason that there are literally only like four paragraphs right. in the entire scripture devoted to the birth narrative of Christ. A little more than that right. if you expand it out. But, but when we see him actually, what we celebrate so often, what we see in the TV specials and all that, it's like four paragraphs. Right. So, you know, a little right. bit in Matthew, a little bit of, of Luke. And the rest is the prophecy leading to this, the fallout from this afterwards, mm -hmm. because being born in a manger is part of, it's part of it. We see right. the prophecies fulfilled and all that, but that's not the point. Right. The point is Golgotha. The point is Calvary. When he gets from Bethlehem to Calvary, that's where the redemption takes place and he who knows no sin becomes our sin so that we can become God's righteousness. We'll stop there because we're over. But, way over. Way over. But... Uh... Yeah, we're. I'm, you started it that way, but but that this week, I mean, I think we're really focusing on what Christmas really is. So yeah. we'll talk more about it next week. Thank you guys for listening.